on a very, very serious note. You don't have to do it right now. You can wait during the sermon so that no one looks at you doing your phone. But I want to ask a very, very important question. You don't have to do it publicly because this is a very sensitive question, as you can tell. But how many of you feel a part of this congregation? If I were to re reverse the question and ask it, how many of you feel displaced? How many of you feel like you're on the fringe? Whatever the situation is, this is an issue within the body of Christ in every congregation of notable size. Every congregation. In my head, I have people in my head that said that I would see as answering no to this question. I mean, there's going to be a lot that will say yes, but there's always going to be some that will say no, some that might say kind of, but not really. I have the results, and it's going to be at the end of this sermon so that you can see. And the reason for putting at the end of the sermon is because I want you to see this is an issue in every single congregation. If you had read the bulletin, and it's possible you may not have read the bulletin. But if you did read the bulletin, we are dealing with, based upon that sermon last December on authentic Christianity, some hard-hitting issues. This is one of them. This is a very sensitive sermon that we're going to be having this morning. And I want you to stop and think about what your place is in not only answering this question, but what you can do to promote a healthy congregation. I believe we have a healthy, a very healthy congregation in many, many ways, but that does not mean there aren't things that could be improved or areas that need to be addressed. And this is one of them that needs to be addressed. And it will take an entire congregation for this so that we can be even healthier. So with that said, we're talking about spiritual refugees, and, and the reason why I'm choosing this right now is because of the influx of immigrants into many Western uh, European countries and Eastern European countries, along with Australia, New Zealand, the United States, Canada. Um, the amount of immigration out of the Middle East, out of some parts of Asia, and out of various parts of Africa into these countries are basically at a historic high in many ways. If you were to look at numbers, do research. I'm looking at a live map. I forgot the name of the database company, but they were showing a live map from 2000, November 2011 to last month. And in the last three months, the spike has gone off the charts on a worldwide level. And, of course, you've heard the news with regard to refugees, and you'll see them, um, whether it's on boats going into various um, parts of the, the country, whether, I mean, in Europe, or here, where these are Syrian, if I'm not mistaken, Syrian refugees. This, this picture has been pretty popular. Um, as far as your eye can see, by the millions, we're talking... At one time last year, about 10,000 Syrian refugees that our president has wanted to come into the country. And that sparked all kinds of debate among Christians, let alone citizens of the country. 
The number is getting closer to 100,000 right now as far as the, the number of Syrian refugees into this country, let alone many other countries. But we're not talking about this kind of refugee. A refugee, if you're trying to understand what a refugee is, it's someone who feels like where they are, they cannot live. Whether it's because of safety, because of work, what, persecution from the same, whatever the situation is, I cannot make it in my homeland, and I'm having to leave my homeland. And they have nowhere to go. And of course, the debate among brethren is, well, do we allow them in? How do we allow them? Why do we allow them? All these different things. And I've heard Christians go on both sides and give scriptures to back up why they believe their view is the right view on this. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. Although that would be a good sermon as well. I'm talking about spiritual refugees. Those who finally come to an understanding about their soul and they can no longer, I mean, they realize where I'm at, I cannot live this way. And of course, that's where the offer of Jesus comes in, right? Jesus is calling souls out of this world, the world that kills them, a world that puts them down, even if on a worldly basis their activities may be acceptable, but it offers nothing more than death. That's what this world offers. And there are people who finally come to a conclusion that, as we sang, this world is not my home. And they recognize, as in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11, 12 states, that without Christ, you are without hope in this world. And that's where a refugee comes in. A refugee has no hope in their current circumstance. And they're looking for salvation. They're looking for deliverance. And that's where Jesus steps in and says, I'm your savior. I've come and have died so that you can be delivered from this world, from your sins, and have everlasting life with your heavenly father through my precious blood. And when you go further in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19, the apostle reminds his brethren that they were now no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow members in the family of God, in the household of God in the New King James translation. They're citizens in the kingdom of our Lord. As I wrote in the bulletin, I don't know how many feelings can get much better than the feeling of being added to the body of Christ, knowing my sins are washed away. Knowing that my past as ugly as my past is, is put away. And brethren, how wonderful is it as a parent when your child calls upon the name of the Lord and you get to rejoice with them. Or when it's brethren that you are close to and one of their family members is added to the body of Christ. Or how about it's someone in the world who has lived such an amazingly wicked life from your vantage point and they're added into the kingdom of our Lord. The rejoicing, let me tell you, and particularly now that we've got um, some of the, the baptisms now are taking place on Sunday at the jail. If you are one of those that have the opportunity to go, whether it's on the first Sunday or the third Sunday, I don't know when, what Sunday of the month that they'll do the baptisms, 
you're there and you witness the raw emotion that stereotypically does not take place and I'm saying relative. I'm saying what we have here and what I've seen over 20-whatever years in the Lord um, where brethren quietly rejoice. Not much quietness when you rejoice when people come from the world and they don't have the tradition that we have of being more reserved. The rejoicing is with great tears and just exclamations at time of joy. Beautiful, brethren. Beautiful. It's natural. It's a natural response. There's a place for people of this world to come to. And the place is the body of Christ. That's what Jesus has set up as the place of refuge. Right? Isn't that what the Lord's church is? A place of refuge for refugees. For people who no longer sees this world as their home. And so when we're talking about the church being a place where spiritual refugees can come to. That's how, that's so wonderful. We're supposed to be able to welcome souls, precious souls. But as I was mentioning from when we first moved here, it's hard at times when you look at some of these refugees because of their past. They come in with a very wicked past, some of them, right? When you can have in your fellowship an ex-murderer, when you can have in fellowship someone who's guilty of rape or molestation, when you can have in your fellowship someone who gave you or your children or your family member drugs as a dealer, it's hard. I mean, there's some, some definite practical issues that you're faced with. And because we work in the jails a lot more over the last um, two, two and a half years, these are issues that we are practically faced with as we have more and more men and women that are turning to the Lord that will come and join and worship with us from time to time, if not on a regular basis. The church is supposed to receive whom the Lord receives, right? And we know the answer is yes. But practically speaking, that can be a hard and difficult thing to say yes. Jesus says to the spiritual refugee, come all of you who are burdened, who are heavy laden, come, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke, my burden is light. I'm giving you rest from those burdens. That's the refuge that the Lord his kingdom, his family, his body is to be for spiritual refugees. Brethren, I don't know how else to make it any plainer, any clearer from a biblical standpoint what the church is supposed to be like. What I'm not saying is you don't use wisdom coupled with compassion and love. That you throw wisdom out the window and you're like willy-nilly, we'll just let you... I mean, there's practical issues that have to be dealt with. But the fact remains... That our passionate and compassionate, gracious, heavenly Father gave us His Son. That we would, in like fashion, be this way to people who are coming out of this world and into the body of Christ. So what does that have to do with us this morning? Where's the heavy hitting part for us? To me, that's heavy enough, but that's not really the main import. 
But this is the backdrop to the main report. See, the thing is, there's a problem in the body of Christ because there are Christians that feel as if they don't belong. And that feeling doesn't happen immediately necessarily. Although it can be felt within the first few days. It can be felt in the first few weeks. It can be felt in the first few months. It may be years. It may be because of circumstances. But whatever the feeling is, there are Christians that feel displaced within a local congregation. And not knowing the results of those who have smartphones to put it on there. And if we were to have people that aren't putting their things up on smart, whatever devices that you have. I bet if we raise hands and they would be able to do it honestly and without any fear of being judged for their hand being raised, more hands would even raise. And I'm pretty confident that that'd be the case. How do you deal with a problem like this? This is one of those problems that are hardly talked about. You hear about them in conversations, in, in, in individual situations, but how do you deal with it congregationally? Well, it's because it's got to be an open discussion. It has to be something that, brethren, we are real enough, authentic enough to say, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's how I feel. I'm one of those that feels displaced. I used David Andrews as an example David, you weren't here two weeks ago, and I forget what it was in particular with, but it had to do with the men's getting together and what you had to say and how, you know, um, if I can use you as an example one more time, where we were saying, opening up saying, you know, we're, we're in this congregation, we're with these men, and we're having this men's Bible study and saying, I've been in the body of Christ for all these years, but I've never really had anyone real close, really, really close. Do you remember that, David? And it touched my heart hearing that. And he wasn't the only one. There are others that said similar things. Well, how about when there's not even a close friend, but you don't feel like in the midst of everyone here, you still feel lonely. You still feel lonely. Can you imagine feeling lonely in the bunch of, what, I don't know what we have, 150, 160, 170, 180, and you're lonely? That's what I'm talking about. And not just in one service. But it's chronically this way. This is a problem. And the feeling is real. It's legitimate. Because that's what they're feeling. And it's got to be acknowledged. When you feel unwanted, when you feel unloved, when you feel left out, here's some of the ramifications. You start questioning the legitimacy of the congregation. Do my brethren even love me? Because if, if they were to follow Jesus Christ, they would show this love to me. You might even question the legitimacy of Christianity. In 25 years of preaching the gospel, I have come across many brethren over these years that all of this, those first two points, bring out these last two points. Now, there are other factors, but from one of them being a displaced feeling among brethren, and it's for a whole host of reasons, this is how they feel. So, where's the problem lie with regard to this, these displaced feelings? 
Well, I'm going to tell you something first. If we get to some of these reasons that we're going to look at right now, I think there's a problem on both sides, at most, at least on one side. But typically, it's on both. I want you to look at some of these things. I apologize for the font not coming through very well in the middle. But by a person having the reasons for, for this placement, you have, let's say, some sin, and that sin has br- brought forth guilt. And with that guilt, you withdraw yourself from brethren. And by virtue of withdrawing yourself from brethren, at some point, that withdrawal turns into this feeling like, I don't fit in. I feel displaced. The flip side can be that because of your sin and other brethren knowing about it, they start distancing themselves from you. A form of condemnation. And with it, you bring about displacement. Because you don't know how to deal with that person who had previously been guilty of this sin. Maybe they've repented of it. And if if they haven't and you don't know about it, find out. But you don't because you're afraid. You don't know what to say. You don't know how to say it. You don't know how to deal with it. Even though the scriptures are pretty very clear about that, you still are uncomfortable. But that leads to displacement. And eventually, a refugee going the opposite direction. When you feel wanted and needed outside of the body of Christ, which is an amazing concept, brethren, that should never enter our minds, but it does. It could be because you're left out for a number of reasons. Maybe it's because your culture is different. Maybe you guys don't like pineapple and surfing. Maybe you don't like, you know, pigeon English. I make light of it, but cultural issues leave people out. You can go to certain parts of the country, and because you are not city, but your country, you're left out. Because you're country, not city, you're left out. Because you're rich, not poor, you're left out. You're not poor, you're rich, you're left out. Whatever the reasons, from a cultural standpoint, it could be interests. I like this interest, but no one else in the world seems to like this. I'm in the minority. It could be because of my maturity or immaturity. It could be that other people, because of your interests, exclude you purposefully, maybe unintentionally, but it happens. Don't know how to be inclusive. It could be because of personality issues. The the whole reasons can go on and on and on, but whatever the reasons are, you have things that go on on the person's end that brings forth this displaced feeling, and then you have things that go on by the congregation or members within the congregation that brings this point out. Brethren, I've seen this for years. I don't know why I never gave a sermon about it. In fact, it wasn't until um, last November when I was coming up with a series of lessons for this year that's going to be spattered throughout the year on authentic Christianity that this is one of them. I said, why hasn't this been dealt with? Look at all these things. Brethren, I see a number of you shaking your head like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Well, aside from the reasons, how do you address this? Whatever the reasons are and whatever the fact remains that this happens, here's what both sides can do. And brethren, this is real simple right here. But it's really hard to implement unless you're willing to get out of your comfort zone. 
And that's exactly what I'm asking you to do is to reach across the aisle, so to speak. And not everyone's able to do it because of personality. You know, you may not be the outgoing person to do that. And you're waiting for someone to reach their hand to you and then you're ready to grab onto it. But you've got to have both sides working to the best of your ability for this to be minimized, if not altogether taken away. But guess what? We're going to have more brothers and sisters in Christ, more additions to the kingdom of our Lord and joining our fellowship that we have and it's going to continue to happen. Right? So let's say we have, and I know this is not an issue here, but you guys will know because I'm just using a simple illustration and then I'll get to more specifics. You have a new brother in Christ. He's got that long ponytail, right, Martha Adams? <laughs> and, and then with the long hair, he's here doing the Lord's Supper and now he gets called out because he doesn't fit in. He didn't look the part. And that brother is a new brother in Christ with great zeal for the Lord, and now he feels like, ugh. And he quietly shrugs himself back and doesn't want to participate anymore. And within months, within a few years, we don't see this brother anymore. You guys know who I'm talking about, right? You have specific examples in your past that you can think of on similar situations to this. You have a sister in Christ because of what's going on in her life. Maybe it's a divorce. And we have women here, our sisters in here, who have gone through divorces. And now I feel like I'm a fifth wheel. I don't feel close to anyone. We used to be a part of the, the couples, groups. I'm not a couple. Maybe it's because of widowhood. Whatever the reasons are. We've got to be able to extend love to one another. For all the reasons. Because I don't understand you. Because you have different interests. I'm not saying that you change your life. You change your relationship with this person to the best of their abilities. In other words, you're looking out not only for your own interests. Just as Ben was reading for us. You're looking out not for your own interests only, but according to Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, but for their interests. That's the extension of love. Because love does not behave rudely. Love is kind and love is patient. Love behaves in a manner of long-suffering. All these things are things that you do that says, you know what? I don't always spend time with this person or that person, but I can take the time to say hi and talk to them. We may not be like in that... Um, that close friendship range because of our interests, because of culture, whatever the reasons are. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to exclude you from my life or avoid you like the plague because then that's how you're going to feel displaced. Got to strive for understanding. I remember when, I'm not going to mention this particular sister's name because it might hit too close to home. But I remember when a sister in Christ um, going to jail, and maybe it's more than one sister in Christ that feels this way. You're, like, You're talking about me, Mitch. <laughs> maybe it's more than one. When we went to the jail, having preconceived ideas about the women that we were studying with. But having been there, having a relationship with them over time, 
you began to understand. And when you began to understand, you began to have a different perspective, a more understanding perspective, a more compassionate perspective that allows you to be a more positive influence. Well, that's what we need for brethren that are here, not just in jail. Your own brother and sister who are in Christ. And it's going to lead me to one specific example in this congregation that we were, we were just talking about. It's been a week and a half, two weeks ago. Happened over here during the service. I can't remember, was it a week or two weeks ago now? I'm talking about Ben. Ben Liskey. Smarter than just about everyone here in this room. And I mean it from an IQ standpoint. Smarter just about than everyone. Maybe not than you. I don't know who you are, what your IQs are. But he's very close to it. His interests. Not typical of a teenager, is it? Ben Liskey, who was told he would never walk, he would never speak, leading songs. Yes. Speaking. <laughs> Self-advocating to Vanderbilt University, Ben Liskey. Has different interests than a typical teenager. Our brother in Christ feels displaced. Whatever the reasons are, whether he brings it upon himself because he is a little different than you, or whether some of us bring it upon because we are a little different than Ben, for all the reasons of those differences, this is your brother. And if he's in the family of God, he's important, not just to God, but to you. If you are a true disciple of Christ. Ben's not the only one here. I've made contact with some of you throughout this sermon on purpose. Because you're feeling this way. I know you are. Conversations with you. Or just the signs. But brethren, we all have to deal with these things. If our brother is hurting, we hurt with him. If he's feeling displaced, we console him. We work with him. What can we do on our end? That's the conversations we've got to be able to have. There are many more points that could have been on this sermon. You know, practical points. Whereupon, you know, what is it specifically that I can do on my end? Well, one of them is communication. You know, when we're talking about communicating with each other, you have to have it. I am shocked with zero. That's how sensitive this is. The kind of sort of maybe five could easily be in that, in that no range. I know this has happened because every congregation that I've been a part of there's always been a minimum of one that everyone knew about, but no one would really deal with and address. And some of you right now are aching in your heart because you're in that no and maybe didn't have a smartphone to, or a smart device to put it up on over here to show. I'm telling you, if you feel this way, 
You don't have to come up during the invitation. Come talk to me. Come talk to our elders. Talk to someone that you can have confidence in and have a confidence in. Let's deal with this. You are very vital to the work of our Lord. You're very vital by the fact that you belong to Jesus Christ. Your worth, your value is so far greater than everything combined in this world's materialistic value. That's how much more important you are. And I apologize if we don't treat you that way. I apologize. Brethren, this has got to be dealt with. Do something about it. Reach your arms across the aisle to brethren that you personally know struggle with this. And brethren, if you're on the receiving end and you are the one that feels displaced, be bold enough, courage enough, ask for prayers to God yourself or on others on your behalf to say, how can I let you know that I'm the one feeling this way? That's how important you are to this family. Brethren, if we don't deal with these issues, we're going to have an exodus. And right now, the exodus has already begun in this country. Many people who had professed Christianity are leaving for in what they deem in their own eyes greener pastures, pastures where they can see something, if not hope in Christ, hope in something, hope in a friend, hope in a relationship that will be meaningful to them. And we're going to allow them to leave? There's a lot of parables about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. All of these things, biblically, of what we ought to be feeling for anyone in our family that would feel this way. My calling to you, friend, if you're not in the Lord, you can be a refugee, and I pray that we'll be the kind of congregation that you feel complete welcoming. I believe that's the reputation that we have here, by the way. I mean, it's obvious to many that have said and shared with me, but that does not mean there aren't things that go on here that says we still have more work to do. In fact, a lot of work. This is one of them. So if you want to leave this world and become a refugee, so to speak, where you have salvation found in Jesus Christ, we want you to feel welcomed here. Well, have you buried with Jesus Christ and walking in newness of life and being added to the family of God, to this household that we have of faith? But brethren, if you're on the other end of this, where you're wanting to leave the body of Christ, please, if we can pray publicly with you, we'll do it right now. I'll lead the prayer, or you can choose someone that you want in our congregation to lead the prayer. Or you pray for us, <laughs> that we need to be this way. But what it is, is dealing with this. Do it now, sooner than later. The ramifications for your soul are too important. Why not take advantage of this invitation as together we stand and sing?